This is episode number 153 of Music Lesson Business Academy. And today we're going to talk about the two different levels of marketing for your music school. And we are also going to talk a little bit about lever number three, which is conversion. Roll the intro. Hey everybody, Danny here. Welcome back to another episode of Music Lesson Business Academy. So good to have you back for another episode. If this is your first time uh, tuning in, I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you feel so inclined to go over to iTunes, leave us a review and a rating. It is very helpful. So before I get into uh, today's episode and also into lever number three, which we're going to touch on today, uh, I just thought I would give everybody an update on what's been going on with my music school. I made a big announcement, I don't know, six or seven episodes back maybe about some big changes. It might have been even longer than that. Um, but uh, yeah, just wanted to give you a little update uh, and a refresher of what we're doing and how things are going and what it is that I'm working on um, to you know keep the business moving forward with all these changes. So, you know, a month or two back, we made the uh, announcement to all of our student base and families that we were going to lean into the online lesson world and that we weren't going to ever go back. So, but uh, let me clarify that because we're doing kind of a little bit of a hybrid. So in our main school in Costa Mesa, which we opened in 2006, you know, we started off with one suite and then as things opened up within the plaza, we took over more and more buildings. So we had three suites going, um, doing, you know, maybe 11 lesson rooms that we could do at one time. So <clears throat> what we did when we made this change to staying with online lessons, we decided that guitar, piano, and voice lessons would be online forever and that we're never going back to at least a standard kind of in-person weekly lesson kind of thing. Um, however, we kept a space to do our drum lessons in person or online, depending on what the student wants to do. Um, and, you know, because we feel long term that that's going to still lend itself better to be done in person. We're almost 100 percent booked on drum lessons right now. There's really no open spaces. Um, and then we have a space to do bands or small younger kid group classes like a piano or a kids rock type of class. And then uh, a space to do our DJ lessons, because that also DJ and music production, that also works really well in person. So even though right now we're still in that flux of, you know, some people want to do in person or a lot of people want to do in person. Some people aren't doing that yet. A lot of lessons are still happening online. We've opened drums, DJ and bands to meet in person. And I also know that down the road, when everything goes back to normal, you know, we'll already be set up for those classes to happen in person. But we're going to keep guitar, piano, and voice online forever. And we've really been investing in technology and looking at different software programs and different processes to really upscale 
that online lesson experience. And we'll be getting some really cool results from it uh, and seeing a lot of great things. So, um, you know, some of the challenges, obviously, that we've had, and, and this is the thing I've really noticed recently, is people are ready to come back and do some type of in-person lesson. You know, they're maybe burned out on just the stay at home thing or their kids are doing tons of other stuff online because they were forced to. So the majority of the calls that I get are based around in-person lessons. And what I really had to get good at over the last couple months, and I feel like in the last three or four weeks, I've finally nailed it and I'm getting really good responses from it, is my ability on the phone to take somebody who called for in-person guitar lessons for their 12-year-old and get them convinced that they should try online guitar lessons with us. And, you know, it, it took me a while to kind of figure out that pitch and how I want to present it. But lately, I've just been kind of on a roll and everybody that's been calling, I'm getting them to try it. And for us also, doing the 30-day lesson pass really gives me this extra tool to lock people in. So one of the things that made me think about is, you know, over at musiclessonbusinessacademy.com, I'm starting to just put up some individual courses. Right now there's the um, business foundations course up and then the um, how to attract, interview, and hire great talent will be active here within a day or so. Uh, it may even be out uh, when you hear this, probably maybe right after that. Got a couple last minute things I need to do to dial that one in. But one of the courses that I'm going to put together is a sales course and specifically like how to sell on the phone. Now, I use text messaging and emailing and I do a ton of texting to, you know, work with new clients. And, you know, that is invaluable right now. Uh, however, to really lock people in. Me talking to him over the phone is still the absolute best. It's very hard to convey an actual sales pitch or philosophies of what you're working on through a text message. You can do a little bit of that in email, of course, but it's still just kind of a one-way conversation. And certainly we're utilizing email. I'm utilizing text messaging, but where I really find that I have this success is if I can get that person on the phone and I can really get them to, you know, kind of see what the benefit would be of doing the online classes versus what, what in their mind they're thinking why they want to do in person, um, you know, I'm getting them to realize, well, what their mindset in their imagination of what an in-person lesson is like is what it used to be like. And it's not going to be that way. And I start going through all the, you know, not issues with in-person. But, you know, just those elements, um, what's good about it, what's bad about it, what's great about doing these, as you can see, the text messages coming in right now, <laughs> uh, as you, you know, what's so great about doing an online lesson now. And then also I talk about some of the changes and technologies and things that we're doing um, to really bring people together online. Um, we're rolling out some new programs to kind of create more of a social interaction with the students online uh, and really take the sharing of lesson assignments uh, and what can be done in that space to a whole new level. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail on it today. Um, 
I kind of got put down this path by one of our listeners, uh, Jason from Blue and Green Music out in Phoenix. So I think we'll, I'll probably have him on the show and maybe we'll have a, a more in-depth discussion of what program we're using and how we can use it at um, your school. But, you know, when I explain all these things to people, it's really hard for them to not at least try the 30-day lesson pass. So, you know, that other element that I see missing for a lot of people is that closer. And for me, I have that closer of the lesson pass, and it just works so well. So that's what's been going on with the school. Um, I just took one of the Brock bands into the studio. We did a recording in the studio the other day and shooting video for that. So that'll be coming out soon. And we're continuing to get more and more creative at events and things to keep people connected and build the community, but doing it, you know, online. So now let me, let me back up for a second. Where I see the school going in the future is going to be kind of this hybrid where student does their 30 minute guitar lesson. They do it online. There's a convenience factor there. If you do it right with all the software and the things that we're doing, I would tend to say that we're getting it now to where it may even be better than if you were sitting next to them. Like we're doing so many cool things with it. It's really getting to be better, especially when you just factor in a little bit of the convenience factor and some of those things. But do your 30 minute guitar lesson online and then come to the school to interact with other students roughly your age and ability level in a band class. That's really where the social dynamic of the whole thing comes in, hanging out, being with your group, your little clique. That part is social. We want that in person. You're not really getting any of that from a 30-minute guitar lesson with a, a teacher that's 15 years older than you or something like that. It's not very social. So we're, we're looking at these things as more as the, of the social dynamic. Now, one other element that we might be able to do down the road for some of our adult students or things like that that, that did like to hang out with their teacher you know, I, I don't want to move back to an in-person lesson, but again, there's bands, there's rehearsals, there's having people come to the school once in a while. You know, we're still keeping one section of our building, so we do have a space to do some things. You know, having people get together for a rehearsal one time before a show when most of their lessons are online, those are all things we can do, I feel, safely and comfortably now and then in the future continue to kind of expand on that. So that's kind of where I see things down the road is that we can do this hybrid thing that helps the people that are local to the school that are within our area while we expand our online student business. Now, I'm working on something really cool as a way to increase my online lesson business outside of my given area here. And I'll be reaching out to a few of you guys to see if you want to participate with this, um, with me in this program. Uh, I will touch base on that more in the future after I get it kind of worked out and see how it goes. You know, sometimes you come up with a, what you think is a great idea, but then it doesn't work. So I want to make sure that it's working. Today's episode is brought to you by neveralonebusinessservices.com. Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, website design, and general marketing help done by music school owners for music school owners. Chris and Jen at Never Alone Business Services do my Google AdWords. I highly recommend you check them out. Mention you heard about it on Music Lesson Business Academy and you save a hundred bucks. 
This episode is also brought to you by the fine folks over at TeacherZone. TeacherZone.com for all your scheduling, billing, and student learning management. Give those guys a call. Hit them up online. I'm sure they would love to give you a free demo of their software. Okay, so with that said, let's get into today's episode. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about these two levels or layers of marketing. I, I couldn't really come up with like some great, catchy, cool name, and there might be like in marketing world, I didn't really dig in and look into a bunch of marketing blogs or anything to see if, if there was already terminologies for what I'm talking about here, and I'm sure there are. Um, but in simple terms, I kind of just wanted to think about marketing and talk about marketing with you in the concept of these two levels, because it's very easy for us as we learn more about marketing and we, you know, listen to podcasts and read books, uh, you know, whether it's story brand or some of the, you know, older classic marketing books, some, you know, you know, just some of those classics out there. It's easy to get confused on the direction that you should go and what you should do in your marketing. and it's so important to kind of understand these levels of marketing and these levels within the buying cycle. I touched base a little bit on the buying cycle in last week's episode, but I kind of just want to break it down into the two simplest things and see if I can kind of give you some thoughts on why I think this is important with the marketing that we do. So one layer of marketing in what we do as a business is marketing to people who have already decided that they want music lessons. And that's most of our customers, right? That's most of the people that click on a, a pay-per-click ad and get driven to your website. Those are people who have already decided, I want to get piano lessons for my child. The other level of marketing would be people that don't know that they might want music lessons. And obviously that's a much tougher sale. And it's really important to think about who it is that you're actually appealing to and who do you need to market to. So again, in last week's episode, we were talking about the difference between Google ads and Facebook ads and a little bit about sales funnels. And I mentioned that, you know, Facebook ads a lot of times are hitting somebody that hasn't decided for sure if they want music lessons. You've targeted them because they, they, they could be a potential. They fit the right age and demographic and, you know, maybe a lookalike audience, all those kind of things. So you're, 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 you're selling or presenting your marketing to a more qualified audience, but it's still not somebody that said, I'm looking specifically for music lessons. And <clears throat> This layer number two is obviously going to be a much harder group to market to. So for the most part in my marketing as a music school, I focus on layer number one, right? Now we could say that that's, I didn't want to really use the term low hanging fruit because it sounds kind of negative. So I called it level one, but it's kind of the low hanging fruit. Somebody says, my child wants to learn to play guitar, or I, as an adult, I'm getting back into guitar. Let me see what I can find. I'm looking for that person who's already said, 
I want to do guitar. I don't have to take my time and energy and budget trying to convince somebody why they should play guitar. They already have kind of decided they want to play guitar. That's who I really market to most of the time. And I would say 99.9% of the music schools out there, maybe a little less, but that's who most of us market to. And really that's, or I should say, that's who we should be marketing to. The goal of, you know, in doing that, you should be able to build your school to a big enough level, just finding those people. So, you know, anywhere from zero to five, six, seven hundred students, I believe that you can get to that level by just being good at marketing to people who already have decided they want music lessons. Now, the bigger picture, level two, people that don't know how important music education is or all those kind of, you know, bigger picture elements. That's not a project that I'm willing to take on myself, right? I don't have the scale as a business. I don't have the budget, right? And I don't really have the desire to make that my marketing mission. So when you're presenting something to, you know, a mom group, you know, within that mom group, yes, there's going to be people that are, have been thinking about getting music lessons and you're hitting them at the right time, right? That's kind of how advertising work it works is people go through the arc. I want it. I need it. I got to have it. So you're, you're hitting some people that are saying, yeah, I've been s- sort of thinking about getting my kid into music or my kid's been asking me about it. Then they get to that thing where it's like, yeah, they've, been, they've really been asking me about it a lot. I've really needed to get this done and I just haven't gotten it done. Then they get to, I got to have it. And they go, I, I got to get my kid guitar lessons. Let me get on Google. Let me look and see what I can find in my area um, for guitar lesson. Beyond that, though, you know, this big picture of people who don't realize that maybe their child should learn music. That's for the big organizations to do. That's really what, like, you know, a VH1 <clears throat> saves the music. That's something they could be doing. Or, you know, the, the National Association of Music, music Educators, one of those kind of groups. And generally... You know, what I see from those groups are, is horrible marketing towards achieving any of that goal. Um, I, I just keep seeing the same, you know, reposted article about how playing an instrument is going to help your child's brain activity, which, you know, <clears throat> me as the science nerd, that stuff's are pretty much for the most part been disproven anyway. But that's the level of marketing they're doing, whereas they should be doing some really big picture, cool stuff to <clears throat> remind people, wow, this, this is amazing. This is something our, my kids should do. I'd never thought about it before, but now I'm really thinking maybe they do need to do music lessons. Now, you're going to get some of those people with your marketing, but that shouldn't be the focus, okay? For most of us, we want to focus on level one, low-hanging fruit. So now, how does this impact us in the marketing? And this has kind of been coming up a lot for me lately because I've been redoing a whole bunch of automations in Active Campaign, segmenting everything. Adults get different emails than, you know, than the parent of a kid that they're looking for lessons for. That's two different customers. I want them getting different messages. Guitar and drums segmented. They should be getting, you know, the images should be matching what they were looking for, 
right? If, if you, you think about going to some other site, I'm looking to get, you know, a new mountain bike and all the emails they send me talk about, you know, getting a, a, a ch children's bike with training wheels for my kid, right? It's, I'm going to quickly go, ah, I don't think this is the place for me. So anyway, working on that segmentation, but I've been trying to get some new emails written. So I actually farmed out some of this to Dave Simon because he's a good writer and I'm just sick of everything that I write. So I, I thought I would get somebody else's take on it. And the back and forth that Dave and I have been having is, you know, these emails that we're writing, it's very easy to write them as if the parent hasn't already decided they want music lessons. So if somebody reaches out to your website, it's an adult student. <clears throat> they're at work. They're at home. They've decided, I'm finally ready to play guitar. I'm going to get back into it. And they Google guitar lessons in XYZ City. They find their way to your website. How much of the copy, whether it's on your website, it's in your emails, needs to be devoted to hey, Mr. Adult, here's why you should learn guitar, right? We're reselling the person to some extent on something they've already decided. So there's this balance there that Dave and I have kind of been going back and forth with, which is, okay, so people have, they Googled piano lessons, they found my website, they filled out the 30-day lesson pass form, now they're in my system. Now I want to convert them from having filled out that form to booking a lesson with me. So now this is where you got to kind of balance it out because I think there is still a lot of validity to reinforcing the message, right? So they said, I think I want to get my kid piano lessons. They've been asking me about it. So then when they hit your website, it's good to reinforce the message, right? Reinforce why these piano lessons are going to be great. What's it going to do to transform your child and, or transform you as an adult? Some of the things that we would say to somebody that maybe potentially hasn't decided on lessons yet. But then once we've reinforced that, we do need to then think about the fact that they've already decided they want jujitsu lessons, karate lessons, music lessons, whatever it is. So they are at a certain level there now shopping between you and somebody else. So again, it's a balance. And I see some of us, I think, we're, you know, I've been guilty of this, is the message is very big picture, but then not enough of why you should do it with me. Other places, it's all about here's why you should do it with me and none of the bigger picture. And I think you've got to have a nice balance between those two things. Reinforcing the message right? They've made a decision. They think guitar lessons are going to be great. You want to reinforce them and say, yes, Mr. Customer, you've made a good decision. Guitar lessons are going to be good for you. Here's some reasons why, because there might be things in there that they didn't even really think about. So now they went from like, I'm pretty into this to like, okay, yeah, this totally sounds like it should be for me. Then we do need to sell them on. Here's why you should do it for me. So Think about that when you look at your landing page on your website. Are you inspiring them to continue the journey, continue this search that they're on? I'm looking for guitar lessons. When they land on your page, yes, the images need to be great. If those images are great, they're going, okay, 
this is kind of what I had in mind when I thought about guitar lessons. If they land somewhere and it looks not so cool, they might be going, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'll look somewhere else. Maybe I don't want to do guitar. If they land and it's like, oh yeah, this is reinforcing the message and the vibe that was in my mind, right? Then there's some text copy that also reinforces these thoughts that they were having about why they want to do it or why they want to have their child do it. Then we move into, here's why you should do it with me. This is the sales portion, right? Features, advantages, and benefits of my school. And here's my offer. Take my offer today. And we can apply that then also to all of our emails that are going out. So take a look at your marketing and think about yourself in that standpoint of, you know, who is it that this message is actually going to be read by? Who is reading this email that's going out? Am I, am I preaching to the choir in my email about the benefits of music lessons, right? Do, how much of that do I need to do if they've already landed on my site telling me, yeah, I, I get it. I know what the benefits of music lessons are. That's why I Google searched, I need piano lessons for my kid, right? Do we need to continually resell them on those features, advantages, and benefits? At this point, they might be, you know, wanting to find out more information about, well, how is your school going to provide those features, advantages, and benefits better than XYZ school. So I think it's really important to keep those two sides of that marketing in mind when you're creating your message. The level two, the big picture marketing, we really want to leave that to somebody else in my mind. I, like I don't want to try to educate the general public on the benefits of music lessons. That's a big job that I'm not really up for. Um, you know, that I, I would certainly love to help some other organization work on that. Um, but it's definitely not something that I think the average size music school should be working on. You need to be great at the basics of marketing. Okay. The two levels of marketing, keep that in mind moving forward. Before we get into the seven levers segment of the show, I wanted to tell you about new program I have going on over at musiclessonbusinessacademy.com. MLBA Answers is now open. You have questions, I have answers. This is the simplest and most affordable direct access, direct coaching program out there. It's really simple. There's no fluff. There's no extra stuff. There's no courses. There's no videos. Those, there's no modules. There's no monthly calls. There is just you having your own page. You can type a question on there. I will respond to your question within 24 hours. It's a great way to get answers to questions that come up all the time. You can avoid the quagmire of misinformation that is available in Facebook. Just go direct to a source. And as a bonus, I'll also give you access to the new Music Lesson Business Academy forum, which we're getting up and running. So check out Music Lesson Business Academy, the new program, MLBA Answers. It's only $12.95 a month. It's crazy. You got to be nuts to not do it. Also, over on musiclessonbusinessacademy.com, there are some new courses going up. And over the course of the next month or two here, I'm going to be loading that up with individual courses. 
the Business Foundations course is up, how to interview, hire, and attract great talent is going up. I'm gonna do a course all about how to sell over the phone. I'm gonna do an in-depth course about my 30-day music lesson pass. If, you know, there's so many schools out there, there's gotta be some schools that could benefit greatly from really doing this lesson pass program correctly. Um, many other courses going up. So if you're not ready to join any kind of reoccurring coaching program, you just need some help in a certain area, or you're looking for some inspiration, you can check out one of these simplified courses. All right, let's get into the seven levers. All right, today we're gonna to be talking a little bit about lever, num lever number three, which is conversions. And there's a lot of areas that conversions can be applied to. Converting a website visitor into an actual lead, converting a lead into somebody visiting your school or coming for a tour or doing some kind of trial program, and then converting that tour or that visit or that consultation or that trial into a paying customer, which is ultimately the goal. Also, all the way down the line to converting the student from just a student into a student who does band or a student who does two instruments. Um, can, you know, there's so many ways you can apply it. The way I what I want to talk about today is really coming at it from a sales standpoint. So here's your homework on the seven levers. This is an area, you know, that's quite often when I'm doing some coaching with a school and I'll say, give me the pitch. What's the pitch on your school? It's really weak. They, they, I can tell they haven't really ever thought about it. So I get it. A lot of times people might not ask you directly, tell me about your school, or I'm sort of interested in music lessons. But if you could kind of have, and I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm starting to really like my phone skills lately as I've had to redevelop a different pitch. Practicing and thinking about it is what made it. So I'm going to do the same little spiel, give or take, with every person who calls. I know what I'm going to cover. Yes, I'm answering their questions, but I'm going to cover my stuff, right? And to do that, you first have to know what's the stuff. What's the stuff I'm going to cover? You know, what are the features of my school? What makes us good? So what you want to do is sit down with a piece of paper and you want to write this stuff out. Features, advantages, and benefits. Fab. It's just kind of an old sales thing we used to do. What's one of the features? And maybe what you could do is, to practice it, think about it in the standpoint of applying it to maybe some other product or service. Maybe you have a favorite guitar that you love. What's the feature of this guitar? Okay, well, this guitar has a Floyd Rose locking tremolo system. Okay, that's a feature. Now, the problem that people make in sales is they go, check it out. This guitar has got a locking Floyd Rose. It's got a, a, you know, a rosewood neck. It's got lace sensor pickups, et cetera, et cetera. Most people don't know what's cool about a Floyd Rose locking tremolo system. Probably dating myself a little bit because this was more like, I don't think those are very popular on guitar nowadays, but they used to be on all the rock and roll guitars. If you wanted to dive bomb like Eddie Van Halen, you had a Floyd Rose. Okay, so this guitar has a Floyd Rose locking tremolo system. Mr. Customer, the advantage of having that 
is it allows you, once the guitar is in tune, to lock the strings in place and then use these little fine tuners down here on the, on the bridge to get that last little bit of tuning. The benefit of having that is once it's dialed in, you could dive bomb and do all this crazy stuff and your guitar stays in tune. So one of the features of that guitar is this. So what is a feature of your school? Okay. One feature of my school is that all of my teachers are employees. The advantage of that, right, is that we can have a consistent experience and protocols in place. The benefit to you, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, is that you can rest assured on the quality level and the control that we have over our teachers. Something like that. 30-day lesson pass. It's a great feature of my school. Very easy to sell the features, advantages, and benefits of the 30-day lesson pass. So what is it for you? If I called your school today and said, tell me about your programs, what would you say? What are the features? Now, of course, in your sales pitch, you're not saying, Mr. Customer, one of our features is this. You may not say those exact words, but you might say, well, here's something on our program that's really unique, or this is something that we do, and here's why we do it, and this is how it will help you and your student. You can present it more in correct terminologies, but for you thinking about it today, writing this down for your school feature, What's the feature? What's the advantage of that feature? And what is the benefit? Now, this isn't only going to impact you in direct sales. This, having this framework helps you when you're writing emails, when you're designing your website. If these are the core features, advantages, and benefits of your business, well, now you know what they are and you can place them in all kinds of different places. Being good at this can dramatically increase your conversions across the board. Okay, guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to go over to musiclessonbusinessacademy.com. You should definitely become a member of MLBA Answers. Check out some of the courses. We'll see you next week for another episode. All right, take it easy.